What's the real reason DeMar Hamlin collapsed on Monday Night Football? On this special edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We're the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 313 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show from Monday, January 2nd, 2023. Now, I know if people are listening on the live stream, they'll be like, Hey, Doc, you got the wrong day. It's Tuesday, January 3rd, but I've been up all night, so it still seems like Monday to me. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious The last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners. Most Republican politicians refuse to even mention. And August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that shall live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, click on the button that says Become a Patron, and please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. All right, today's episode of the Doc Washburn Show is called When the Conspiracy Theories Come True, Part 2. What are they doing to us? As I was preparing for this episode Monday evening, a friend of mine texted me and said, I don't know if you guys are watching Monday Night Football. 24-year-old Buffalo Bills player, DeMar Hamlin, collapsed on the field. They had been doing CPR on in the last 10 minutes. Well, I, I wasn't watching TV. I was trying to get ready to do this. But I went to check it out, and it was pretty scary. So I'm going to tell you all about it. And I'm going to say some things that will upset some people. First of all, a young man named Jamar Hamlin was playing football for the Buffalo Bills. He's a safety. On a routine play, he tackled Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver T. Higgins. It was a routine tackle. If you watch much football, you have seen much harder collisions than the collision between Jamar Hamlin and T. Higgins on the Buffalo Bills-Cincinnati Bengals game on Monday Night Football. After the tackle, Jamar Hamlin stood up and straightened the chin strap of his uh, football helmet and then a few seconds later collapsed backwards with no notice. Team trainers and paramedics got to him quickly and performed CPR for at least 10 minutes. And as Dr. Mark Siegel was telling the folks on Fox and Friends as I was walking through the living room and my wife was watching it, you perform CPR when you can't get a pulse. That's scary. Hamlin was also given oxygen. He was intubated and administered an intravenous solution, an IV. He was transported to the University of Cincinnati Academic Health Center at roughly 
9.25 p.m. Eastern, that'd be 8.25 p.m. Central, and was, and was reported to be in critical condition having gone into cardiac arrest. The players were in shock. The coaches were in shock. The announcers were in shock. There was a conference call with media late Monday night. I've got a screenshot of the text about the conference call. Hope you're all hanging in there. Please share this with your local media. We have shared with a group of national media as well. Please join us for a media conference call at midnight Eastern time tonight. Dawn Aponte, NFL Chief Football Administrative Officer. Jeff Miller, NFL Executive Vice President of Communications, Public Affairs and Policy. And Troy Vincent, NFL Executive Vice President of Football Operations. And this is from the Frisch Report, which says, NFL conference call with media, Troy Vincent says coaches and players were traumatized by what they saw on the field. That was clear. If you've seen any video from Monday Night Football, it was clear. You had grown men, big guys in tears. Frisch Report continues, Troy Vincent says, neither head coach nor the players discussed resuming tonight's game. Troy Vincent said, and I quote, look, I've never seen anything like it. Okay, so there's that. Now, I want to go to uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman with Scott Van Pelt on ESPN. And uh, it... uh, Got real. Man, we've had a lot of laughs uh, talking on Monday nights after these games, and this was a big one. We were looking forward to it, all of us, because of the significance of this game. And here we here we are at this moment, and a young man fights for his life. And gratefully, uh, it's nothing that we have a great deal of context with. But Joe, I'll begin with you. Um, and I salute the work that you all did there, just uh, allowing the moments to happen and try to provide the context as they did. How do you how do you describe what you what you've been processing since this happened? It's really hard. Um, you know, it's it's hard just to to describe it. I mean, you know, what what we all feel. You, know, you think about the Hamlin family and and what they're all going through. That that's the focus. But you know, this went from a sports story to a news story, from a sporting event to a matter of life and death like that. Yeah. And there was a moment when the medical personnel was all out there, and we're standing up here, and, and unfortunately, like Lisa said, and you guys have been talking about, we've been through a lot of situations in games where we've stood up here, and you're watching medical personnel uh, make sure somebody's okay down on the field, and you think they're going through a, you know, a blow to the head or something along those lines, and uh, it switched. It switched quickly, um, and it went from what is the typical everybody gather around, let's make sure this player is okay, to those who were on the field in his immediate vicinity uh, administering CPR and, and really pounding on his chest. 
and a lot of that was not on television. I have no idea what's on social media. I have not checked it, but we were sitting here, and I'm looking at Troy, and he's looking at me, and it was like, my God, what did this? This is not what you expected to see. And now, is he okay? And it went on and on and on. And then that's when the players were gathered around so tight that it was hard to to even see what was going on. So this was uh, it took your breath away. I'm, I'm sick to my stomach. If you're asking me how I feel, which nobody cares, but but that's what it feels like being here in this stadium tonight witnessing what we saw right around midfield. Uh, no, I disagree, Joe. I think, I think the perspective of someone who's made his life doing this, calling these games and has those perspectives of the injuries uh, that thankfully mostly turn out far better. Uh, there was an urgency, Troy, that, that I felt like I noticed immediately and what I, I saw on camera that, that, that concerned me. It, it seemed like this was dire and then quickly it became evident that it was. As a man that made his living doing this and has seen a lot, uh, when you see a young man suddenly fighting for his life, part of this brotherhood that Ryan Clark and I were just speaking of, how, how do you best describe what that's like to have to watch? Well, I can only speak of what it was like to watch tonight because no one's experienced anything like this. Uh, Ryan Clark hasn't, as he expressed, and all the other players. Booger McFarlane, who was in studio earlier tonight talking about it, and it really is unprecedented, as as we know. So uh, you're right. The gravity of the situation uh, became very clear very, very soon. Uh, I saw the same things that you were seeing back in studio uh, as far as uh, them administering CPR feverishly. Uh, it's, uh, as I said, I mean, um, I, think, I think people at home can understand it, uh, that the amount of time that you spend with your teammates, as Ryan Clark said, during the season, uh, it is more than you, than you spend with your family. And so uh, it's real. Uh, the relationships are real that, that go on long after. After you're done playing the game, I can speak to that. But uh, you know, to watch what we did tonight uh, was was hard on on everybody. And uh, prayers, of course, are, are with Demar and his family. And we can only uh, hope for the best. Uh, and what this looks like, you know, everyone has said it. The football uh, becomes secondary. Quite frankly, I, I don't know how they get this game in. I, I just, uh, in the back of my mind, I just don't think they can. Uh, but right now, that's uh, that's a discussion for another time and another uh, place. But agreed, uh, because yeah. this because this is a really really important game in, in in the scheme of football, and I think we all understand at the moment that football is 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 uh, far far secondary to the concerns of the moment. Troy, Joe, as you all said, it's been difficult to put words to this, and you guys uh, did as best as you could for, for the amount of time that was from the moment that he went down until where we are now, and I appreciate your time and your perspective, guys. Thank you so much. No, of course, Scott. Thank you. You just hope and pray for him, and when you're going through that, you hope you put the right words to it, and we all just, just we were in shock, and you could see shock all over the faces of those players and just hoping and praying for the best. It's a tough one. I've been uh, I've been watching a lot of football for a lot of years. I've never, never seen anything like this before, and none of these guys had either. And they've seen a lot more football than I had. Look, the ESPN announcers they uh, they do a lot of show prep. They want to be ready. 
for any possibility. Uh, a quarterback sneak, or uh, was to was supposed to be a, a punt or a field goal, and and then they they, you know, the offense fakes out the defense and does something different. That they're trained to be ready for anything, but they couldn't have possibly been ready for what happened on Monday Night Football in the first quarter of the Cincinnati Bengals Buffalo Bills game. Because how could they be? And yet they did a great job in the moment with no notice. Now Scott Van Pelt, uh, back in the studio, mentioned uh, Ryan Clark. So uh, I want to share with you his conversation with former NFL safety Ryan Clark about the situation with current safety for the Bills, DeMar Hamlin. I'm Scott Van Pelt here in our studios in the nation's capital. This was a night and a game that all of us were looking forward to with great anticipation because of the significance of this game. Two fantastic football teams and all that's on the line, all the stakes, and they're understood because sports are important. And then suddenly they're not at all. Uh, the game starts with a Cincinnati touchdown. Buffalo gets a field goal, and then as Cincinnati is driving with the football for the second time, Demar Hamlin, a second-year safety out of Pittsburgh, tackles T. Higgins, and he collapsed back to the turf, and the reaction of the players on the field was all you needed to see. And immediately, there was a television feed that we have access to that's the same feed as the Monday Night Football crew has. And as I noticed the urgency with which the medical personnel were moving, it was very concerning because it was clear from their reaction that this situation was dire and that Hamlin was in distress. And as you see, those are hard to look at, man. Um, Stefan Diggs in tears as he sees his teammate on the field being tended to and uh, as reports have been given throughout this hour and change since this injury, CPR administered on the field, as Joe Buck just recently has shared with us. Hamlin is in critical condition. You see the prayers, and we join them in lifting up this young man's name in prayer in the hopes that uh, hopefully there's better news to come here very, very soon. Ryan Clark is with us. And Ryan, uh, this, is, this is as heavy as it gets. Yeah. Uh, this is a night we look forward to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now here we sit. And I just ask, as a member of this brotherhood, as a, as a guy who dealt with his own health issues and scares, uh, what words can we even put to this? What, what would you I share? The, I think the, the first thing, this is, this, um, this is about DeMar Hamlin. Mm-hmm. And um, it's about a young man at 24 years old that was living his dream. That a few hours ago, was getting ready to play the biggest game of his NFL career, and there's probably nowhere else in the world he wanted to be. And now he fights for his life. And when DeMar Hamlin falls to the turf, and when you see the medical staff rush to the field and both teams are on the field, you realize this isn't normal. You realize this isn't just football. 
And so many times in this game and in our job as well, we use the cliches, you know, I'm ready to die for this. I'm willing to give my life for this. It's, it's time to go to war. And I think sometimes we use those things so much. We forget that part of living this dream is putting your life at risk. And tonight, you know, we got to see a side of football that is extremely ugly, a side of football that no one ever, a side of football that no one ever wants to see mm-hmm. or never wants to admit exists. When you see both teams on the field crying in that way, your first thought is DeMar Hamlin. Yep. The second thought is his family. And this isn't about a football player, right? This is about a human. This is about a brother. This is about a son. This is about a friend. This is about someone who is loved by so many that you have to watch go through this. I um, I dealt with this before, and I watched my teammates for days come to my hospital bed and just cry. I had them call me and tell me that they didn't think I was going to make it, and now this team has to deal with that, and they have no answers. Mm-hmm. And so the next time I think that we get upset at our favorite fantasy player <laughs> or we're, we're upset that... The, the guy on our team doesn't make the play and we're saying he's worthless and we're saying you get to make all this money, we should remember that these men are putting their lives on the line to live their dream. And tonight, DeMar Hamlin's dream became a nightmare for not only himself, but his family and his entire team. Okay, so that is uh, Scott Van Pelt, ESPN, with uh, former NFL safety Ryan Clark. Um, over on CBS... We hear more from former NFL cornerback uh, Bryant McFadden. Oh, for me personally, I'm I'm, I'm afraid. Um, I'm uncomfortable. You know, one thing about being a part of the National Football League, we consider it to be a brotherhood for current players from past uh, past players as well, and we always root for the health and the safety each and every ball game. Regardless if we're cheering for a team, if we're rooting against a team, we always root and cheer for safety and health, sound health. And seeing that hit, it looked to be a routine hit. Mm -hmm. You know, playing full speed, doing what you're supposed to do as a defender. T. Higgins is doing what he's supposed to do as an offensive player. It was a routine hit. But the scary part for me, Joe, is that I've seen guys get concussed. You know when someone is concussed. For, for Hamlin, he got up and stood up and fell down. And that's something I've never seen before. And then, of course, moments later, you know, they bring uh, the medical staff out, and then you're hearing that they're giving him CPR. That's what really freaked me out. Because all my days of playing the game of football, I've never seen in person or via television someone being administrated CPR. Okay, so one of the reasons that all of these NFL veterans, all these sports casting veterans for that matter, was so shocked Monday evening, A, they had never seen anything like this. A young healthy athlete, collapsing on the field for no apparent reason. B, they had never seen anyone administering CPR 
to someone on an NFL football field. And C, they're at a loss to try to come up with a reasonable explanation for why DeMar Hamlin collapsed. And I'll give you a perfect example coming up here in just a minute when Scott Van Pelt brings on the great Stephen A. Smith for his reflections on the horrifying spectacle of the collapse of DeMar Hamlin. And that is next. Let me say something. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage. You may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom. The freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online. They'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically, so you can figure out what monthly payments work best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door, no matter where you live, redriveryourway.com. You will be glad you did. Let me tell you, we're so excited to have Mike Lindell and my pillow as sponsors of the Doc Washburn Show. My wife and I just love sleeping on our Giza Dream Bed sheets. I'm wearing my new My Slippers moccasins. I had no idea. Slippers could feel this good, or you could wear them wherever you go. And we love our MyPillow towel set. They are so luxurious. And the MyPillows themselves, the most comfortable pillows we have ever owned. Mike Lindell's passion is to support American entrepreneurs and bring manufacturing back to our country. For years, people approached Mike with great products but had no way of marketing them. Now, MyStore.com has been created to give those people a voice and a platform to bring you their amazing products made right here in the USA. MyStore.com has all kinds of great deals on automotive products, bath and beauty, books and video, clothing, decor items, food and drink, garden and patio, health, home improvement, household essentials, kitchen and dining, personal care, sports and outdoors, toys and games, and so much more. Plus, right now, you can save up to 50% on Giza Dream Sheet Sets. Get them for as little as $29.99 by using the promo code DWS. 
Save up to $90 on my slippers, slip-ons, and moccasins marked down to just $49.98 by using promo code DWS. And right now, get a six-piece MyPillow towel set for only $44.98 just by using promo code DWS. We are honored to be affiliated with a great American patriot like Mike Lindell. Now, some of Mike's items are marked down up to 80% off if you make sure to use promo code DWS. And remember, that does not stand for Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Now, don't get it wrong. No, 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 no. DWS, the promo code, stands for Doc Washburn Show. MyPillow.com and MyStore.com. We are proud and honored to have them as partners with the Doc Washburn Show. All right. So Scott Van Pelt brings on the great Stephen A. Smith to talk about the situation with DeMar Hamlin collapsing on an NFL football field in Cincinnati, Ohio on Monday Night Football. Your feelings? I was scared to death. Um, To see him get up and then fall back down. Right. It was scary. You know, we've been watching the NFL, covering the NFL for decades, Scott, and we've seen concussions. We've seen people sit still, scared that they may have been paralyzed because they've gotten hit and what have you. I don't recall ever seeing anything like this. Um, To see him make a tackle, to get up, and then literally collapse, that his legs start shaking and what have you. It was just, you're not trying to be too vivid. You're just trying to make sure you accurately depict in real time what you witnessed. And, you know, it was was scary. Uh, It was incredibly sad to see the players crying, the Stephon Diggs of the world and others, uh, Josh Allen having to be consoled by Joe Burrow and others. Uh, you just know that it, it just reminds you we hear so much as reporters, as commentators, as pundits, as people who get paid to chronicle this league and the tremendous athletes that, that bless, that bless, you know, this league with their presence. We constantly talk about or we hear about them talking about family and then you see something like this and you realize how real it is. Not that we didn't know, obviously, covering these sports uh, for so many years, but to witness it and to witness the camaraderie and the love and the concern uh, that was in the faces, written all over the faces and the bodies of everybody uh, involved, particularly every member of the, of the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, it's just a harsh reminder of the violence that exists in this sport. Whoa, 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 whoa. Violence that exists in this sport. What does that have to do with anything? Damar Hamlin was not the recipient of violence that exists in this sport before he collapsed. What, Stephen A? What, what are you? What are you talking about? How a play? Uh, we all know that a play can end a career. A play can end a season. Wait, 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 wait. What play? Yeah, we all know that. Well, we also all know the play, the last play with DeMar Hamlin tackling D. Higgins 
had nothing to do with this young man collapsing. Seriously? Is this how you're going to play this, Stephen A.? Unbelievable. But it's rare that you contemplate the notion that it can end somebody's life. Dude. Seriously. Did you just say that? The play had nothing to do with anything. You know it. I know it. We all know it. And you know we know it. Wow. This is... This is remarkable. And when you saw that happen, all of a sudden that realization hit you in a very, very profound way. Whoa, 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 whoa. Come on, man. Seriously. Stephen A., we did not see that happen. What? What is this? Is this another episode of who you're going to believe, me or your lying eyes? He's carrying some heavy water. Some heavy water for somebody right here. I'm, I'm flabbergasted. We, we got about 45 seconds left to this. I'm going to try not to interrupt him again. And, and then obviously you saw Susie Colbert and Booker McFarlane and Adam Schefter doing the great jobs that they were doing along with yourself and Ryan Clark being ex- his exceptional self, really breaking down and explaining everything in vivid detail and how he's with his mother is with him. She didn't come to this stadium to see her son in that condition. And so your heart goes out to her. Uh, you just wish him nothing but the best. You're praying for a full recovery. We understand that the game does not matter now. Uh, it simply is not that important. You can always uh, get another game back. You can re- you can revisit the game down the line. But right now, our hearts and our prayers are with Tamar Hamlin, uh, just praying uh, that he survives this and that he's able to be alive and safe and healthy. That's where our minds should be right now. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. No question about it. That's where our minds should be right now. But if we thought for one moment, listen to me. If we thought for one moment, a simple nonviolent tackle in an NFL football game would be enough to make a young man collapse and go into cardiac arrest I guarantee you the NFL Players Union will be demanding tackling be outlawed and flag football be instituted immediately. There's no question. But you know that's not going to happen because the simple little tackle had nothing to do with what happened to DeMar Hamlin. Isn't that obvious by now? Why are they trying to play us? Why is Stephen A. Smith trying to play us? Because he is, and you know he is. All right. From the ridiculous to the sublime, Lisa Salters, probably, she kind of gets choked up here. She does a better job, I think, than anyone else in conveying the emotion of the moment for everybody watching at home. And I welcome in Lisa Salters now, uh, who has been covering uh, as best as she or anyone could the events at the stadium as these uh, determinations were made that this game would be suspended. And, And Lisa... 
We've all been lucky, right, to do this, to make this our life, to do to do something we love, to cover games that mean so much. Uh, I, I can't recall an evening quite like this, and I just wonder first, as a human being, whose job it is to document these games, how, how you would describe what this last hour and a half has been like. It's hard uh, because, like you guys have said, this is a this is a human being, and all you can really think about is, you know, I hope I hope that guy is okay. We we've seen players go down with head injuries before, and uh, as horrible as that may sound, we've grown accustomed to it. Seeing guys take hard hits, uh, see them stay down for a little while, get back up, give the thumbs up, and mm-hmm. and that's all we were all hoping for was that that Demar Hamlin was going to get up and that he was going to get on in that ambulance. He was going to give us a thumbs up and we were all going to know that he was okay. And, and, and when that didn't happen, I think this entire stadium was just devastated. I mean, I mean, right now, all I can really think about is is that player, his teammates, just seeing the agony on their faces, the concern on their faces. They're scared for him right now and they should be. Uh, we all should be. Uh, but to see them hugging each other, uh, down on their knees, praying for him, his coach, the other team, their head coach, those players, uh, just to see how much unity and and just unified concern that they all had for this young man. Um, it's been overwhelming. There's a pall over the stadium right now. Uh, like you said, Scott, you come to work. We're expecting to see the game of the season. Uh, and what we got was so terrible. But that doesn't really matter. All that really matters is uh, is Damar Hamlin and his family. And we just can't say it enough that we hope that he's okay. Agreed. As you said, and I echoed the thoughts in the start, you, you, all you can do is lift him up in prayer and we continue to do so uh, as I said a moment ago Lisa and I realize you're there on the field we have access to all the different feeds uh, here that you all have for the Monday night football broadcast and, and as I looked it struck me that there was an urgency with which the medical personnel were moving that was atypical and that was so concerning right. because it's their job to know is someone hurt or injured in this case is someone in distress and I wonder if you just as you replay what was happening, what was your sense of uh, how dire the circumstances were? Yeah, it was when all of the players came out onto the field and took a knee. Uh, The entire Bills bench emptied and was out on the field. And the way that the players, all of the players, the Bills and the Bengals, the way they formed a human wall around DeMar Hamlin, that that let me know there that this was not uh, just another injury, that there there was there were things going on mm-hmm. uh, behind that human wall that we shouldn't be seeing. They were trying to respect that young man's privacy, and rightfully so. Uh, so that was when I realized uh, immediately that this was not just another injury, that this was something very, very serious. I have an appreciation for the fact that there's so much going on here that, that initially there was a sense that maybe they'd take five minutes and get loose and play. And, I, and as I'm looking at this, I'm thinking... There's no possible way that that's going to happen. And it seems to me, Lisa, that it was Taylor and McDermott and their respective players who essentially said, threw up their hands and said, no, we're not. We're not playing football in five minutes. And again, that's I, I could be entirely wrong, but that was the sense I got as I watched. Is that was that the what you felt was happening? 
Well, initially, like you said, it seemed as if uh, the players were just going to take some time and to, to process this and to, to try to regroup uh, and refocus. Uh, I saw Stefan Diggs. Well, first we saw Sean McDermott call his team together. Right. Uh, that the Bills all got down on a knee, uh, and we don't know what he said to them, but it appeared as if he was trying to to, to, to refocus his team. Uh, and then Stefan Diggs did the same thing. He was yelling, guys, come on, come on, come on, come on, uh, because players were just sitting on the bench just looking completely shell-shocked and, and devastated uh, and rightfully so uh, but all of the team got together uh, on the Bills sideline Stefan Diggs I could hear him rallying the troops I could he- hear him encouraging them telling them that we get, let's go let's go let's refocus uh, but then after that the players just kind of went back to what they were doing before which was uh, to be emotionally distraught players went back to the bench uh, they went back to hugging each other. We, they went back to taking their knees uh, to their knee. Uh, some guys had towels on their faces and they were just openly sobbing uh, into their towels. So uh, at that point uh, it, it started to become clear that this is not something that these, these players are going to get over. They're not going to be wanting to play another down anytime soon. Nor should they frankly be, be asked to do so in, in my estimation because I, I think it's it's understandable that the way these, these men are wired in the arena to compete and you get it. People get injured, and that's part, an unfortunate part of the of the game. But this clearly was different than that. Yeah, yeah, it was clearly different than that. I don't know about you, but uh, when Lisa was getting choked up, I, I was getting choked up. Uh, so, uh, Demar Hamlin has been very much involved in uh, children's charities, uh, providing underprivileged kids with uh, Christmas presents. Started back when he was in college before he was making any money in the NFL. By all accounts, a really kind person who is interested in trying to help children Okay, uh, there's a guy named Dr. Brian Suterer. He's got a lot of followers on his YouTube channel. He's a physical therapy doctor affiliated with the Mayo Clinic. So we have a clip of him trying to explain, as best he can, DeMar Hamlin's injury. But guess what, Dr. Brian Suterer of the Mayo Clinic doesn't even want you to consider for even a moment. What we just witnessed tonight is one of the most rare things we can see in sports medicine. As DeMar Hamlin went down with what appeared to be cardiac arrest after taking this hit on the field. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Dr. Brian Suter, and on this channel, I try to teach you about the sports medicine world and give you some insight into what we see on the field. What we saw happen tonight is not related to any sort of vaccines. This is almost certainly something called commotio cordis. Oh, okay. So you've seen the patient. And you know for sure, even though hundreds, perhaps thousands of young, healthy people have been dropping like flies 
Not this one. Not this one. Soccer players all over Europe on video dropping like flies after they get the vaccination. But not this one. Huh? That's what you're telling us, Dr. Brian Suter of the Mayo Clinic? We got obituaries now for at least a year and a half of high school and college-age football players who had been recently vaxxed or recently boosted, and all of a sudden died suddenly. There's a whole uh, documentary out, died suddenly, over in Rumble. But not this one, huh? I'm sorry, I, 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 I just, I, I can't listen to the rest of this garbage. He's talking about how extremely rare it is, but he knows exactly what it is. No. No. So I uh, I got kind of curious about Dr. Brian Suterer in the Mayo Clinic. I looked at uh, Dr. Brian Suter's, Suterer's Twitter feed. And I saw what he said back on December 27th, 2021 on Twitter about Dr. Peter McCullough's appearance on the Joe Rogan show. Dr. Brian Suterer said, supporting the World Health Organization, the CDC, Dr. Fauci, etc., doesn't sell or get clicks. Notice all these so-called gurus popping up on Joe Rogan's show and other outlets are mainly against mainstream medicine because it sells. He says McCullough gets zero press if he were pro-vaccine, anti-hydroxychloroquine, etc. Really? Really, Dr. Brian Suterer? Fauci gets zero press? The CDC gets zero press? The Mayo Clinic gets zero press? Really? I'll get to the Mayo Clinic in a minute, but, but, but speaking of Fauci, this guy is like Fauci is the guy. Dr. Brian Suter there implying that Fauci is the guy to listen to, not Dr. Peter McCullough. Okay, let's listen to Fauci. People should not be walking around with masks. Do you know he said that? People should not be walking around with masks. That's Dr. Anthony Fauci. Okay. Let's see what else he said. Let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. Oh, masks are not theater. So I guess they're they're the real thing. Okay. Okay, Dr. Fauci, what else you got? Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better. Oh. So they are theater. Might make you feel a little bit better. Well, what else we got Fauci saying? Masks are protective. Okay, so they do protect you. Okay. All right, thank you, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Masks are protective, he says. Okay, what what else? But it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. Wait, it's not providing the perfect protection people think that it is. Okay. Dr. Fauci, you give me whiplash up in here, man. Hard to uh, hard to keep track. There has not been any indication that putting a mask on and wearing a mask for a considerable period of time has any deleterious effects. Oh, I know that's a lie. 
Yeah, it's not not good to be walking around breathing your own carbon dioxide all day long. I know that's a lie. Okay, maybe Fauci thinks so, too. There are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask, and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying inside there? Of course. Oh. You get some schmutz. That must be like uh, a term they use in the North. Of course. Okay, well, Fauci, I mean, this is the guy now. That the Mayo Clinic thinks is just, just, uh, just brilliant. You do not need to wear a mask indoors if, in fact, you've been vaccinated. Okay, so you don't need to wear a mask indoors if you've been vaccinated. Oh, okay. I guess that's good news for people who got the clot shot. What else you got, Tony Fauci? Good that you're vaccinated, but in a situation where you have people indoors, particularly crowded, you should wear a mask. But you just said you don't have to wear. A mask indoors if you're vaccinated. Huh. So I wonder why Dr. Uh, Peter McCullough doesn't follow this guy like uh, Dr. Brian Suter would him prefer him do. Fauci. So even if you are vaccinated, you should wear a mask. So even if you are vaccinated, you should wear a mask. Oh, okay. I thought you just said you don't. You don't. Um, if in fact you are vaccinated, fully vaccinated, you are protected, and you do not need to wear a mask outdoors or indoors. You know, call me crazy. I've been called worse. It's almost like Fauci contradicts himself every once in a blue moon. When the children go out into the community, you want them to continue to wear masks. Okay, so when the children go out into the community. You want them to continue to wear masks. Okay. All right. So so we got that from Fauci. You know, if you look at, at, at children outside, particularly when they're with the family, uh, walking down the street, playing a game or what have you, don't have to wear a mask. But, but you just said they do, though. That's the weird thing. That's the crazy thing. Fauci. The, 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 the pediatric, the Academy of Pediatric actually makes that recommendation that children should be wearing masks uh, from two years old onward. Okay, so you don't have your own opinion. Just the Academy of Pediatrics says that. Okay, how many billions of masks have gone into the oceans since we started this foolishness almost three years ago? I thought you were an environmentalist. Eh, maybe not. So what's the deal, Fauci? And you're asking now, if your child is a member of your household, can you walk outdoors with your child without a mask? According to that chart, the answer is yes. See, according to the chart, Fauci's acting like um, he doesn't have any common sense. He can't just tell you what he thinks. So he points to the American Academy of Pediatrics. He points to a chart. He's like, hey, don't look at me. Don't blame me for the advice, right, Fauci? But the child can't, not to beat it, yeah. beat it to death. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. The child can't. Savannah there over at uh, the Today Show. This Fauci guy, they still take him seriously. As now the CDC says, I mean, I think I've got this right. One mask is better than zero masks. 
two masks is better than one mask, but you don't have to have double masks. Is, is that right? I mean, you know, it became clear that cloth coverings that you didn't have to buy in a store that you could make yourself were adequate. And then you wanted to fit better. So one of the ways you could do it if you would like to is put a cloth mask over, which actually here and here and here where you could get leakage in is much better contained. Are you a double masker, Dr. Fauci? It looks like you are. <laughs> well, on television maybe. But there are plenty of candid photos of him when he was telling everybody else to wear a mask when he was in airports or baseball parks or whatever like that, things like that, not wearing a mask. Now, I'm going to tell you some things about the Mayo Clinic that will probably upset you. And we're going to have the latest updates on the uh, the young man that a lot of us have been praying for, DeMar Hamlin, who uh, collapsed on the field last night in Cincinnati. And we're going to have a blast from the past. Mike Wallace, 60 Minutes, over 40 years ago, just going off on the CDC for their lies. Way back in the 70s. I'm going to tell you, not much has changed. Not much has changed with the CDC. All right, look, I've been talking about how the world is going crazy with supply chain issues, record-setting inflation, sky-high gas prices, woke corporations that stand against everything we believe in. We all know how the big box stores were allowed to stay open all during the pandemic. While so many little guys, small business owners, regular people were forced to close. Wealthiest people on earth became better off while mom and pop businesses suffered. The question is, what are we willing to do about it? For that matter, what can we do about it? How can we make our voices heard? Well, we can make a big difference by voting with our dollars. Why continue shopping at big box stores if you can get the items you need from a family-owned company. Now, finally, we can shop factory direct at a family-owned, made-in-America manufacturer. Switch to America.com is helping Americans walk away from the big-box conglomerates. That's why Switch to America was created, with regular folks like you and me in mind. One of the best ways to get around this crazy inflation is to shop with family-owned companies that put their customers first rather than shareholders and corporate executives. Now, a lot of Patriot influencers have come on board. I'm inviting you to join with fellow Patriots to cut off the cash flow of the big, woke corporations that are trying to destroy our country. We are done with the woke, globalist operation against humanity. Each of us can take market share away from these businesses that have enjoyed unfair advantages. We can choose to help each other by shopping family-owned, made in America. The website is switchtoamerica.com. Join with over 2 million monthly shoppers that have already made the switch. Let's start voting with our dollars to make sure our purchases 
are supporting companies that promote freedom. SwitchToAmerica.com is dedicated to offering family-owned alternatives for items we buy on a regular basis. Just go to SwitchToAmerica.com. When it asks how you heard about us, click on my name, Doc Washburn, plug in your information, and I'll have one of my guys contact you. SwitchToAmerica.com. All right, now, I'm delighted to tell you about the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? Are you experiencing dizziness, vertigo? What about problems with your blood sugar, psoriasis, migraines for that matter? The Arkansas Upper Cervical Center might be able to help you even if you're not in Arkansas. Let me tell you how. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens, your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it's designed to do. Now, I had severe hay fever for 5 or 6 weeks, every spring, all my life. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away. It's never come back. Again, if you're suffering from sinus conditions, allergies, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, psoriasis, migraines, do yourself a favor. Call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009 for a free consultation. They have helped me. They've helped my wife. They've helped so many people that we know. Maybe they can help you. Please call them to see if they can help you. That number, again, for your free consultation is 501-279-2009. Now, if you're outside Central Arkansas, maybe they can still help you. Go to the website, turnmypoweron.com. Click on the tab that says Find a Doctor Near You, and I sure hope you can. All right, you want to save some money on your cell phone bill? That's what I'm doing with Patreon Mobile. Patreon Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier. Now more than ever, it's important to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. Patreon Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. Patreon Mobile has plans to fit any budget, along with great discounts for our veterans and first responder heroes, as well as multi-line users. They use the exceptional nationwide coverage of the same towers the main carriers use. So don't worry about roaming. Look at the map, patreonmobile.com. You'll see you're covered. When you become a Patreon Mobile member, your dollars are helping to fund our God-given right to freedom. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Switching is easy. Just go to PatreonMobile.com or call their U.S.-based customer service team. At 972-PATRIOT, make sure you use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. 
Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, also now offers competitive business plans to suit companies of any size. If you're a conservative-owned business tired of seeing your hard-earned dollars go to corporate woke agendas, switch to Patriot Mobile Business. Find out all you want to know just by going to business.patriotmobile.com or call the 100% U.S.-based member services team at 469-FREEDOM. Use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. That's business.patriotmobile.com or just call 469-FREEDOM. All right, now, this guy who says, hey, 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 I'm going to tell you what happened to uh, DeMar Hamlin last night. I have, I haven't, no, no, I haven't, in, in, you know, inspected him at all. I'm nowhere near that football field, but I don't want you to think about vaccines. I'm going to tell you what happened. This guy's from the Mayo Clinic, right? All right speaking of the Mayo Clinic, guess what they recommend on their website? Officially, here's the quote from the Mayo Clinic. If you are pregnant or breastfeeding, it's recommended that you get a COVID-19 vaccine. You believe this? A lot of miscarriages out there? You believe this? What how much Pfizer's paying them? They say the overall risk of COVID-19 to pregnant women is low. However, women who are pregnant or were recently pregnant are at increased risk of severe illness with COVID-19. Getting a COVID-19 vaccine can protect you from severe illness due to COVID-19. Vaccination can also help pregnant women build antibodies that might protect their babies. With all we know about the vaccines, they still got these lies on their website. Here's more. COVID-19 vaccines don't cause infection with the COVID-19 virus, including in pregnant women or their babies. None of the COVID-19 vaccines contain the live virus that causes COVID-19. Research findings suggest that getting an mRNA COVID-19 vaccine during pregnancy poses no serious risks for pregnant women who were vaccinated or their babies. Well, if that's the case, then why can't you vaccinate babies from birth to six months? Hmm? How come they have to be six months old? Huh? Research shows that infants born to mothers who receive two doses of an mRNA COVID-19 vaccine, such as the Pfizer-BioNTech or Moderna COVID-19 vaccine, might have a lower risk of hospitalization due to COVID-19 infection in their first six months of life. This is crazy, but it's on the Mayo Clinic's website. But wait, there's more. COVID-19 vaccines don't cause infection with a virus that causes COVID-19, including in pregnant women or their babies. None of the COVID-19 vaccines contain... Well, they already said that. Keep in mind that the mRNA COVID-19 vaccines don't alter your DNA or cause genetic changes. That is a bald-faced lie. Of course they do. 
In addition, vaccines that use the same viral vector as the uh, Janssen, Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine have been given to pregnant women in each trimester of pregnancy and clinical trials. No harmful effects were found. That's a lie, too. Mayo Clinic continues. Pregnant women may also receive a COVID-19 booster shot. If you have concerns, talk to your doctor about the risks and benefits. So guess what? the Mayo Clinic doesn't link to. That's right. The research, they say, shows COVID-19 vaccines are not only safe for pregnant or nursing mothers, but may actually be beneficial for their babies. Gee whiz. I wonder if they don't link to the research because it doesn't exist. I'll tell you what kind of research does exist. Research that shows a lot of pregnant women who get the clot shot are having miscarriages. That research exists. Uh, the Vaccine Adverse Events report, Reporting System, VAERS, that, that, that exists. All kinds of horrible ramifications with small children. That's on the VAERS system. <sighs> Let me get back to um, DeMar Hamlin, now that I dismantled that so-called doctor. Uh, John David Dixon, a guy I follow over on Twitter, said, the player reactions Monday night are like nothing I've seen. What could they have seen? It's disturbing ESPN reporter Lisa Salters is a pro, but she is visibly disturbed. She's basically shaking. The people who are on the field are the most disturbed by what they saw. Um, let me uh, let me roll on over to uh, Steve Kirsch over at Substack because he's already uh, he's already got an article on this, and I think. Uh, it would behoove us to take a look at it. So, he says, this was called unprecedented on ESPN. Hamlin has been intubated and currently listed in critical condition. He said all the announcers said they'd never seen anything like this in the NFL. This was a joint decision by both the NFL and the players to stop the game. Uh, that That is unprecedented. When we think about it, I mean, they've had injuries before, but not that stopped the game. Steve Kerr says, one of my nurse friends wrote, how often has a young, healthy football player that didn't take that hard of a hit had a heart attack or a stroke? A tackle really made his heart stop? Yeah, like the Dr. Shooterer said. How? How's that happen? After decades of hard hits in the NFL, this has never happened. 
He says CPR was administered for nine minutes. Normal is three to five minutes. After 10 minutes, you're basically dead. Dr. Peter McCullough said we will not know for 24 hours whether he will bounce back. He could make a full recovery. And this is what Dr. Peter McCullough wrote to Steve Kirsch at 7.54 p.m. Monday night. He said, I watched the play live both as a fan and a cardiologist, and I saw blunt neck and chest trauma, a brief recovery after the tackle, and then a classic cardiac arrest. I have communicated to one of the most experienced trainers in the world, and we agree that it was a cardiac arrest in the setting of a big surge of adrenaline. If DeMar Hamlin indeed took one of the COVID-19 vaccines, then subclinical vaccine-induced myocarditis must be considered in the differential diagnosis. We have been told he was successfully defibrillated on the field and has been intubated and is not spontaneously breathing, which is consistent with anoxic encephalopathy. The nation prays for his complete recovery. Steve Kirsch says Dr. Peter McCullough got it right three hours after he said that. Buffalo Bills confirmed he was correct. Here's a screenshot of their tweet. says, DeMar Hamlin suffered a cardiac arrest following a hit in our game versus the Bengals. His heartbeat was restored on the field, and he was transferred to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center for for the testing and treatment. He's currently sedated and listed in critical condition. Steve Kirsch says, note that Dr. McCullough originally speculated that the injury that Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin was due to commotio cordis. That's the one that Dr. Suterer was talking about on that video I played for you a little bit of. A phenomenon in which a sudden blunt impact to the chest causes sudden death in the absence of cardiac damage. He says the time delay from the hit until he collapsed is expected in commotio cordis. Dr. McCullough believes that the ventricular tachycardia and ventricular fibrillation could have been set up by the vaccine if he took it. Damar Hamlin was shocked back to rhythm. He now has anoxic encephalopathy. He's in critical condition at the hospital. And then he has the uh, the video clip from the... Uh, from the game. He has an update from 11:20 p.m. Monday night. Steve Kirsch on Substack says it was announced in the hospital parking lot that Hamlin is not expected to make a full recovery. Also, Hamlin was vaccinated. The Buffalo Bills as a 100% vaccinated team. He says, I also got a Twitter DM from someone who knows this for a fact who, I, who asked that I not disclose his identity. This is a shame since we, we know, thanks to my readers, that there is no death benefit to the COVID vaccines. Oh, my goodness. And he links to another article on his Substack newsletter, do the COVID vaccines reduce your risk of dying from COVID? Apparently not, so it seems they lied to us about that too. 
This is just from 12 hours ago. So you might want to take a look at that. Steve Kirsch, K-I-R-S-C-H, stevekirsch.substack.com. And then he also says, for more information, see Paul Alexander's substack entitled Vaccine, Bills NFL Football Safety, DeMar Hamlin Collapses in Game Against Bengals. And he also says, Dr. Ramon Oskoe, cardiologist, called me and sent me some data. Dr. McCullough has been screaming about this. J.J. Watt. Oh, my goodness. Let's take a look at that. Dr. Paul Alexander on his substack late Monday night. He says, uh, dying just before dawn and why the surge in catecholamines may be the reason, and we strongly argue for the surge in dopamine, epinephrine, and or norepinephrine as we begin to wake. Read more. Okay, we'll read more. He says, if you you haven't listened to Dr. Peter McCullough as a cardiologist who is board certified in internal medicine and cardiovascular disease, you should. I think when this settles out, he will get a Nobel Prize for medicine for his work on early treatment. I'm proud to be part of his team and his move and success in saving lives. Oh, my goodness. So he links to the epochtimes.com. E-P-O-C-H, epochtimes.com, from October 20th, 2022. People dying in their sleep linked to vaccines, explains Dr. Peter McCullough, cardiologist. At a conference for medical professionals in Sedona, Arizona, this past weekend, which would have been mid-October, several speakers, all physicians, commented on a disturbing trend, an increase in otherwise healthy people dying in their sleep. Sudden, unexplained, age-inappropriate deaths seem to be happening more than usual, both in the United States, where these medical doctors practice, and in several other countries in the industrialized world. Dr. John Campbell, a nurse educator who has been meticulously following and commenting on the scientific data for his YouTube channel, which has 2.5 million subscribers, says, Excess death is a phenomenon all over the world at the moment. The data shows that deaths are 16% higher than we would expect. Dr. Campbell said that in a recent video, and the vast majority of these are not COVID deaths. Statistics tell part of the story. Unusual deaths making headlines tell another part. For example, South African actress, Francie Swainpool was found dead in her bed Sunday morning, October 16th. She's in the middle of filming a new project. Ms. Swainpool was only 50 years old. Cause of death not yet known, according to news reports earlier in October 2022. A young dad, Jack Grozier, was also found dead at his home in New Cumnock, Scotland. Just hours before, he had texted his girlfriend to say he'd like to talk to her the next morning. Grozier was just 23, at least behind a one-year-old son, according to the Irish Mirror. 
newspaper. 17-year-old Gwen Caston, whose dad is a legislator in the state of Illinois, also died in her sleep. October 7th, 2022, Gwen Caston's family issued a statement on Instagram explaining that their daughter, who had no known health or behavioral problems, died of a heart arrhythmia of an unknown cause. The statement read, she had just come home from the evening with friends, went to bed, and didn't wake up. Dr. Peter McCullough, a cardiologist who's board certified in internal medicine and cardiovascular disease, who presented at the conference in mid-October, said that when people, especially young people, die in their sleep, the underlying cause is often myocarditis, which is inflammation of the heart, which can lead to irregular heart rhythms that can be lethal without immediate treatment. Dr. McCullough pointed to a state-of-the-heart review done by an international team of cardiologists published in the journal Biomedicine and Pharmacotherapy in May. According to this study, many heart issues are being reported post-vaccination with myocarditis being the most common. The scientists wrote, while myocarditis is the highest reported cardiovascular ramification, other serious complications are also being increasingly reported. Now, you'd think the Mayo Clinic would be aware of this, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think they are. But uh, I don't think they're going to talk about it. I really don't. I would recommend you read the rest of the article, People Dying in Their Sleep Linked to Vaccines, explains Dr. Peter McCullough, cardiologist, over the EpochTimes.com, E-P-O-C-H. There's no paywall. You can register for free, just so you know. So um, the thing, the, the, the word in the article, uh, catecholamines, that's like dopamine, epinephrine, norepinephrine. They're hormones that are made by the adrenal glands. They're released into the body in response to physical exertion or emotional stress, but they are also released during sleep just before waking as a signal to the body and the brain it's time to get up. Now, catecholamines can increase our heart rate, blood pressure, and breathing rate. A surge in dopamine, epinephrine, and norepinephrine, even if the surge occurs during sleep or during exercise, can cause stress and duress to the heart and can cause it to beat arrhythmically. We're arguing it's very likely the case that when a child or teen or young person has a heart damaged by infection or the COVID gene therapy injection, remember, Mayo Clinic lied and said it's not a gene therapy injection. It is, and they know it is. So a young person whose heart is damaged by infection or the COVID gene therapy injection as well as via other causes, then the rapid elevation and spike in dopamine, epinephrine, or norepinephrine can be catastrophic. It can be lethal and cause death. Dr. McCullough likens this to a phenomenon where people are dying just before dawn. He argues this is more probably due to undiagnosed or asymptomatic vaccine-induced myocarditis while there's residual scarring, in other words, death of heart muscle cells, etc., uh, those cells do not replenish, by the way. 
Myocarditis, very serious, particularly because it is often silent. As such, if the heart muscle is scarred due to a bout of myocarditis after the mRNA COVID injection, and the situation is silent, asymptomatic, and the young person is not warned that he or she can exert himself or herself post-myocarditis bout and just go on to exercise. Pardon me, is not warned that he or she cannot exert himself or herself post-myocarditis bout and then just goes on to exercise then this can cause a catastrophic failure in the heart. The surge in dopamine, epinephrine, and norepinephrine can cause extreme stress on the heart. And remember, there is scarring, so there is dead, non-functional heart, myocardial cells, tissue, muscle. The result can be sudden death. You can and some do die in their sleep just before dawn as the call to rise mirrors exercise and exertion in terms of a surge in the catecholamines. Dr. McCullough has been out front on this and drawing attention to it. This dovetails to a recent video in the war room involving Steve Bannon and Dr. Naomi Wolf regarding the impact of the mRNA shots on driving hypertension. Well, remember, on the uh, last episode, I played audio from a video of Bill Gates talking about how we need to uh, reduce the world population. And part of doing that would be the vaccines. So Steve Kirsch on his Substack says, is it inappropriate to comment on DeMar Hamlin's injury? He says, if you think the vaccines are safe, this article is very troubling. Therefore, it is viewed as inappropriate. If you think the vaccines are not safe, this article is confirming and people have no objection. Interesting, isn't it? Whether it's appropriate depends on your views on the vaccines. Summary. It now appears that the vaccine likely played a very major role in DeMar Hamlin's injury until proven otherwise. This is basically simply based on statistics. However, I believe it's highly unlikely that there will be a proper autopsy where they examined DeMar Hamlin's heart tissue similar to what they did in the Schwab study, if he doesn't live. In America, we do not want to know what kills people. This is why there are virtually never any autopsies after someone dies post-vaccine, even if they die less than 24 hours after the jab. So we'll never know for sure because they don't want us to know what killed him if he doesn't make it. So deaths like this will continue because people don't want to upset the government's safe and effective narrative. I'm uh, I'm really troubled by that. I mean, I hope you are. Now, if you're like me, and you've seen many videos of young, healthy athletes collapsing on field, and you've seen countless news items of healthy young athletes dying suddenly, you naturally think, hey, I have an idea what might have caused DeMar Hamlin to collapse on field. But if you mention anything like that on social media, people tend to remind you that he's fighting for his life. 
They tend to use a lot of cuss words against you. And they also tend to tell you you ought to be praying for them, the same people who are cussing you out with actual cuss words. You know, as if you must not be praying for him if you had the gall to suggest that the clot shot might have something to do with his collapse. By the way, did we have a lot of college and high school-aged athletes dying suddenly before Operation Warp Speed rolled out the vaccines? No? No, I, I didn't think so. Also, are 94% of active NFL players vaccinated? Why, yes, they are. And 100% of the Buffalo Bills. But don't you dare even suggest that may have something to do with the dire situation. DeMar Hamlin found himself in Monday night. By the way, my wife and I have been praying for him, and we are hoping for a miracle. Also, on a somewhat related note, former Purdue and Jacksonville Jaguars offensive guard Uche Chukwa Nwaneri collapsed and died in his wife's home in West Lafayette, Indiana, Friday, December 30th. Preliminary autopsy results indicate a possible heart attack. On September 1st, 2021, he went on Twitter and said, and I quote, Okay, so let's get these vaccine mandates and vaccine passports up and running ASAP. We seeing children die daily from the unvaccinated selfishness. Pregnant women at risk to protect life, mandate the vaccine, jail anyone who refuses to protect life. That's sad. So he was gung-ho for the government taking people's rights away based on believing a lie, and it looks like that lie may have cost him his life. That's very sad. I pray the Lord will comfort his family. Now, if you're not aware how dangerous the COVID mRNA shot is, because it's not a vaccine, it is an, actually an experimental gene therapy, just check out my last episode of the Doc Washburn Show. You'll find out the Pfizer vaccine was killing people before the vaccine was rolled out. Pfizer knew about it, as did the CDC and the FDA, but they didn't care. I have all the receipts on my most recent episode before this one. The COVID vaccine kills people. They know it kills people, and they don't care. So, the White House Coronavirus Response Coordinator Dr. Ashish Jha, did you hear what he admitted the other day? No study in the world that shows that masks work that well. So you're never going to get the kind of benefit from mandatory year-round masking as you would from making substantial improvements in indoor air quality. But it's a lot easier to implement as well. No study in the world showing that masks really work that well. So... It's better to uh, work on your indoor air quality. That's that's what he slurred. And I had to um, listen to it several times to figure out what he was saying. And then there was, yeah, Dr. Fauci warning right before Trump took office, 
that Trump was going to be in a world of hurt. There is no question that there will be a challenge to the coming administration in the arena of infectious diseases, both chronic infectious diseases in the sense of already ongoing disease, and we have certainly a large burden of that, but also there will be a surprise outbreak. Yeah, you made sure of that, didn't you, pal? Yeah, surprise outbreak. I bet it didn't surprise you. You were the one funding the gain-of-function research. Now, last year, Brett Baer asked CDC Director Rochelle Walensky if she could give him the figures of people who died from COVID as opposed to people who just died with COVID. See, because I remember back in late 2020 when they said, well, you know, something like over 90% of people they said died from COVID actually just died with it, not necessarily from it. And guess what? She doesn't know the answer. Do you know how many of the 836,000 deaths in the U.S. linked to COVID are from COVID or how many are with COVID but they had other comorbidities? Do you have that breakdown? Um, yes, of course. With Omicron, we're following that very carefully. Our death registry, of course, um, takes a few weeks to and is, uh, takes a few weeks to collect. Um, and of course, Omicron has just been with us for a few weeks, but those data will be forthcoming. In other words, no, she has no idea. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get that to you eventually. Yeah. Oh, sure, we've got that. We're we're uh, following that very closely, and yeah, we'll have it eventually. She doesn't have any idea. There's a guy named Dr. Paul Merrick who drives the establishment and the elites crazy by saying stuff like this. Ivermectin is a remarkable drug. You know, people poo-poo it, talk about it as horse dewormer. I mean, which is completely absurd. So if you had to design a drug for COVID, it would look exactly like ivermectin. It has all the properties that any drug would want. It's antiviral, so it works against a whole host of RNA viruses. This is indisputable. It um, is anti-inflammatory. We know this. There are multiple studies showing that ivermectin is a very powerful anti-inflammatory drug. We know that what it does is it stimulates a process called autophagy, which is very important in the process of healing and it's one of the main mechanisms that we use to help patients get rid of spike protein and ivermectin believe it or not stimulates autophagy the other thing it does which is important is it changes improves the microbiome so we have all of these bacteria in our gut and what happens is COVID in the vaccine changes your microbiome in a very unfavorable manner very unfavorable it causes profound changes in the microbiome. And this in itself has serious consequences. Ivermectin helps restore the, the microbiome. So it, it truly is, 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 is 
a multifunctional drug which is safe and it, it works both for early COVID and it also is very effective for the vaccine injured. So it, it really, and it's not, you know, we're not making money selling ivermectin. No one's going to make money. People ask, well, you know, you've got a conflict of interest. Are you selling ivermectin? No. You know, this is a, this is a cheap generic drug. The WHO actually had access to ivermectin at two cents tablet, two cents. I mean, how, how can you possibly make money off such a cheap drug? Exactly. But, but, they will slander the people who push it and say they're just trying to make money. They will. They absolutely positively will. All right, now I believe it's time to say, hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way, big old car dealership. In the middle of the USA, the believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online. Have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental USA. You're not going to believe what I found on Twitter. A link to Mike Wallace, 60 Minutes from 1979, just going after the CDC for lying about what? A flu shot. And the horrible, horrible side effects of this flu shot. Can you believe it? Here it is. The flu season is upon us. Which type will we worry about this year? And what kind of shots will we be told to take? Remember the swine flu scare of 1976? That was the year the U.S. government told us all that swine flu could turn out to be a killer that could spread across the nation. And Washington decided that every man, woman, and child in the nation should get a shot to prevent a nationwide outbreak, a pandemic. Well, 46 million of us obediently took the shot. And now 4,000 Americans are claiming damages from Uncle Sam amounting to $3.5 billion because of what happened when they took that shot. By far the greatest number of the claims, two-thirds of them, are for neurological damage or even death, allegedly triggered by the flu shot. We pick up the story back in 1976 when the threat posed by the swine flu virus seemed very real indeed. This virus was the cause of a pandemic in 1918 and 1919 that resulted in over half a million deaths in the United States, as well as 20 million deaths around the world. See how easy it is to... Thus, the U.S. government's publicity machine was cranked into action to urge all America to protect itself against the swine flu menace. Influenza is serious business. During major flu epidemics, millions of people are sick and thousands die. Well, this year you can get protection. The vaccines are safe, easy to take, and they can protect you against flu. So roll up your sleeve. Protect yourself. One of those who did roll up her sleeve was Judy Roberts. She was perfectly healthy, an active woman, when in November of 1976, she took her shot. Two weeks later, she says, she began to feel a numbness starting up her legs. I joked about it at that time. I said, I'll be numb to the knees by Friday if this keeps up. By the following week, I was totally paralyzed. So completely paralyzed, in fact, that they had to operate on her to enable her to breathe. And for six months, Judy Roberts was a quadriplegic. The diagnosis? A neurological disorder called Guillain-Barre syndrome, GBS for short. 
these neurological diseases are little understood. They affect people in different ways. As you can see in these home movies taken by a friend, Judy Roberts' paralysis confined her mostly to a wheelchair for over a year. But this disease can even kill. Indeed, there are 300 claims now pending from the families of GBS victims who died, allegedly as a result of the swine flu shot. In other GBS victims, the crippling effects diminish and all but disappear. But for Judy Roberts, progress back to good health has been painful and partial. Now, I notice that your smile, Judy, is a little bit constricted. Yes, it is. Is it different from what it used to be? Very different. I have uh, a greatly decreased mobility in my lips. And uh, I can't drink through a straw on the right-hand side. I can't blow out birthday candles. Uh, I don't whistle anymore, for which my husband is grateful. It may be a little difficult for you to answer this question, but have you recovered as much as you are going to recover? Yes, this, this is it. So you will now have a legacy of braces on your legs for the rest of your life? Yes, the weakness in my hands will stay and the leg braces will stay. So Judy Roberts and her husband have filed a claim against the U.S. government. They're asking $12 million, though they don't expect to get nearly that much. Judy, why did you take the flu shot? I'd never taken any other flu shots, but I felt like this was going to be a major epidemic. And the only way to prevent a major epidemic of a, a really deadly variety of flu was for everybody to be immunized. Where did this so-called deadly variety of flu, where did it first hit back in 1976? It began right here at Fort Dix in New Jersey in January of that year when a number of recruits began to complain of respiratory ailments, something like the common cold. An army doctor here sent samples of their throat cultures to the New Jersey Public Health Lab to find out just what kind of bug was going around here. One of those samples was from a Private David Lewis who had left his sickbed to go on a forced march. Private Lewis had collapsed on that march, and his sergeant had revived him by mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. But the sergeant showed no signs of illness. A few days later, Private Lewis died. If this disease is so potentially fatal that it's going to kill a young, healthy man, a middle-aged school teacher doesn't have a prayer. The New Jersey lab identified most of those soldiers' throat cultures as the normal kind of flu virus going around that year, but they could not make out what kind of virus was in the culture from the dead soldier and from four others who were sick. So they sent those cultures to the Federal Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, Georgia, for further study. A few days later, they got the verdict. Swine flu. But that much-publicized outbreak of swine flu at Fort Dix involved only Private Lewis, who died, and those four other soldiers who recovered completely without the swine flu shot. If I had known at that time that the boy had been in a sickbed, got up, went out on a forced march, and then collapsed and died, I would never have taken a shot. The rationale for our recommendation was not on the basis of the death of uh, a single individual, but it was on the basis that when we do see a change in the characteristics of the influenza virus, it is a massive uh, public health problem in this country. Dr. David Sensor, then head of the CDC, the Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, is now in private industry. He devised the swine flu program, and he pushed it. You began to give flu shots to the American people in October of 76. October 1st. By that time, how many cases of swine flu around the world had been reported? There had been... Uh 
several reported but none confirmed. There had been cases in uh, uh, Australia that were reported by the press, uh, by the news media. There were cases in... Uh, none confirmed. Did you ever uncover any other outbreaks of swine flu anywhere in the world? No. Now, nearly everyone was to receive the shot in a public health facility where a doctor might not be present. Therefore, it was up to the CDC to come up with some kind of official consent form, giving the public all the information it needed about the swine flu shot. This form stated that the swine flu vaccine had been tested. What it didn't say was that after those tests were completed, the scientists developed another vaccine. And that was the one given to most of the 46 million who took the shot. That vaccine was called X-53A. Was X-53A ever field tested? Uh, I I can't say. I would have to. Uh, it wasn't. I, Does this sound familiar? They're lying back then. They're lying now. I don't know. Well, I would think that you're in charge of the program. I would have to check uh, the records. I haven't uh, looked at this in some time. The information form, the consent form, was also supposed to warn people about any risks of serious complications following the shot. But did it? No, I had never heard of any reactions other than a sore arm, fever, this sort of thing. Judy Roberts' husband, Gene, also took the shot. Yes, I looked at that document. I signed it. Nothing on there said I was going to have a heart attack or I'd get Guillain-Barre, which I never heard of. What if people from the government, from the Center for Disease Control, what if they had indeed known about it? What would be your feeling? They should have told us. Did anyone ever come to you and say, you know something, fellas? There's the possibility of neurological damage if you get into a mass immunization program. No. No one ever did? No. Do you know Michael Hatwick? Yes. Mm -hmm. Dr. Michael Hatwick directed the surveillance team for the swine flu program at the CDC. His job was to find out what possible complications could arise from taking the shot and to report his findings to those in charge. Did you know ahead of time, Dr. Hatwick, that there had been case reports of neurological disorders, neurological illness, apparently associated with the injection of influenza vaccine. Absolutely. You did? Yes. How'd you know that? By review of the literature. So you told your superiors, the men in charge of the swine flu immunization program, about the possibility of neurological disorders. Absolutely. What would you say if I told you that your superiors say that you never told them about the possibility of neurological complications? That's nonsense. I can't believe that they would say that they did not know that there were neurological illnesses associated with influenza vaccination. That simply is not true. We did know that. I've said that Dr. Hatwick has never told me of uh, his feelings on this subject. Uh, and he's lying. I guess you would have to um, make that assumption. Then why does this report from your own agency, dated July 1976, list neurological complications as a possibility? I think the... Uh, consensus of uh, the scientific community was that the evidence relating neurologic disorders to influenza immunization uh, was such that they did not feel that this association was a real one. You didn't feel it was necessary to tell the American people that information? 
uh, I think that uh, over the, the years we have tried to inform the American people as, as fully as possible. As part of informing Americans about the swine flu threat, Dr. Sensor's CDC also helped create the advertising to get the public to take the shot. Let me read to you from one of your own agency's memos planning the campaign to urge Americans to take the shot. The swine flu vaccine has been taken by many important persons. Oh, you're not going to believe this. You're not going to. Oh, this is great. This is great. I'm, I'm glad you hung in for this. He wrote, example, President Ford, Henry Kissinger, Elton John, Muhammad Ali, Mary Tyler Moore, Rudolph Nureyev, Walter Cronkite, Ralph Nader, Edward Kennedy, etc., etc. True? Uh, I'm not familiar with that particular piece of paper, uh, but I do know that at least of that group, President Ford did take the vaccination. Did you talk to these people beforehand to find out if they planned to take the shot? I did not know. Did anybody? I do not know. Did you get permission to use their names in your campaign? I do not know. Mary, did you take a swine flu shot? No, I did not. Did you give them permission to use your name saying that you had or were going to? Absolutely not. Never Okay, that's Mary Tyler Moore, by the way. I did. Did you ask your own doctor about taking the swine flu shot? Yes, and at the time he thought it might be a good idea. Um, but I resisted it because I was leery of having the symptoms that sometimes go with that kind of inoculation. So you didn't? No, I didn't. Have you spoken to your doctor since? Yes. And? He's delighted that I didn't take that shot. You're in charge. Somebody's in charge. There are, this is your advertising strategy that I have a copy of here. Who's it signed by? This one is unsigned. But you, you'll acknowledge that it was your baby, so to speak. It uh, could have been from the uh, Department of Health, Education, and Welfare. It could be from CDC. I don't know. I'll be happy to take uh, responsibility for it. It's been three years now since you fell ill with GBS, right? Right. Has the federal government, in your estimation, played fair with you about your claim? No, I don't think so. Uh, it seems to be dragging on and on and on, and really no end in sight that I can see at this point. With respect to the cases of Guillaume Barre, allegedly... Former Secretary of HEW Joseph Califano, too, was disturbed that there was no end in sight. So a year and a half ago, he promised that Uncle Sam would cut the bureaucratic red tape for victims suffering from GDS and would pay up quickly. We shouldn't hold them to an impossible or too difficult standard of proving that they were hurt. Even if we pay a few people a few thousand dollars that might not have deserved it, I think justice requires that we promptly pay those people who do deserve it. Who's making the decision to be so hard-nosed about settling? Well, I assume the uh, Justice Department is. Griffin Uh, Bell before he left? Well, the Justice Department agreed to the statement I made. It was cleared word for word uh, with the lawyers in the Justice Department by my HEW lawyers. And that statement said, in effect... That, that statement said that we should pay uh, Guillaume Beret claims without regard to whether the federal government was negligent if they, re, if they resulted from the swine flu shot. I think the government knows it's wrong. If it drags out long enough that people will just give up. <laughs> Let it go. I, I am a little more adamant in my thoughts than my wife is because uh, I asked, told Judy to take the shot. She wasn't going to take it, and uh, she never had had shots. And uh, I'm mad with my government because they knew the facts, but they didn't release those facts because they, if they had released them, the people wouldn't have taken them. 
and they can come out tomorrow and tell me there's going to be an epidemic and they can drop off like flies next to me, I will not take another shot that my government tells me to take. Meantime, Judy Roberts and some 4,000 others like her are still waiting for their day in court. So, has anything changed? Has anything changed? All right, so uh, William Wolf, former uh, guest on this program, former director at the State Department under uh, President Trump, Deputy Assistant Secretary, Defense Department. He's out there on Twitter. He says, I can't underscore this enough, and I refuse to back down from it. The fact that millions of people are wondering, was DeMar Hamlin's collapse caused by the vaccine means it's something that should be verbalized, even if it turns out that it wasn't. Feel free to unfollow me on Twitter. I want the truth. And the Rasmussen Reports has a a poll out that says, Almost half of Americans think that the COVID vaccines are bad for you. So I wonder how they came to that conclusion. Another person I follow on uh, Twitter, uh, her name is Carrie. She goes by Kingdom Salty. She says, if you suspect the vaccine when a young person dies, Suddenly you're a conspiracy theorist. But if you shout climate change every time there's a bad storm somewhere, you're a person of science. And she also says, while I agree that not every death is necessarily from the clot shot, why would a Christian not want to ask questions? If it's possible that the vaccine is causing many of these sudden deaths, we should want to know the truth and do what we can to make sure it never happens again. Last but not least, Alex Berenson. The great Alex Berenson, who's been coming on the Tucker Carlson show on and off since this whole thing got started almost three years ago. He says the spin is already starting. Commotio cordis? Commotio cordis is incredibly rare. It tends to happen when a ball hits a skinny 15-year-old in the chest. This is going to be a very big deal, and the media and the NFL will do whatever they can to avoid the obvious question about the vaccines. And he's got a screenshot here, commotio cordis in humans, epidemiology. Approximately only 10 to 20 cases are added to the commotio cordis registry yearly out of 350 million people. Until the late 1990s, it was hardly ever reported It's thought that this increase in the number of cases is not due to an increase in incidence, but rather to greater awareness based on the 1995 New England Journal of Medicine report on commotio cordis. Many more cases of it are now recognized as such, but still only 10 to 20 a year. Indeed, what was thought to be a uniquely North American phenomenon is increasingly being reported in other countries. Primarily affects young individuals, generally in adolescence. In the registry, the mean age is 15 years. There have been very few commotio cordis victims over the age of 20. So, 
Alex Berenson says, I don't even want to talk about any of this right now. DeMar Hamlin should be the only focus, but to see people already, already trying to spin this and to announce what questions are and what questions are not okay to ask is sickening. Enough. Amen. Amen. You know, I had a whole different show planned for Monday evening. And then, thank God, my friend Stephen Finnegan texted me about what had just happened on Monday Night Football, and that changed everything. So I stayed up all night putting all this stuff together. And it is an honor to be able to serve you. All right. You have been listening to Episode 313 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X. And that's the way it is. Monday, January 2nd, 2023.